Recording in progress. Aha, uh-huh. Brandon. How are you? Good. How are you, man? I've got a light flickering on and off. I'm, I'm sitting in the dark right now. It's flickering on and off. Right. Uh, but otherwise, physically, I am well. Okay. You've got a small disco happening. Yeah, pretty much. Now, now it's just completely out, but it may come back on. I'm not sure. The other one went out last week. But it just went out. It didn't. It didn't disco ball out. It just decided to go poof. Just went. I'm done. Gone. Oh, I've got light again. What? When I click my fingers, that's amazing. <laughs> Literally, it just flicked on and off like five <laughs> times. I think you've got powers from over here. That'd be impressive. Yeah, that would be very impressive. That would be. Oh, okay. I'm going to stop looking at it. Now I'm going to have a seizure. (laughs) Hey, Brandon. So this is the Albums Podcast where me and my friend Tim, or Tim and I, take recommendations from various wonderful people. And we we listen to albums because we realized we sort of had been just listening to playlists or singles and we really wanted to get back to listening to like a whole album and having those discussions that we would have right yeah whole albums yeah 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 so from start to finish do you have an album that you love you would just listen to it let's say you're i don't know hanging out whatever it is you do in canada like (laughs) you're out uh, chasing (laughs) bears you just put it put your headphones on and it's that album that you would just you'd have on start to finish you wouldn't skip any songs do you have something like that yes i do an album where whether i am out chasing bears or just at home vacuuming the carpet there's this band temple of the dog and their self-titled album they only had one album if you're into the seattle grunge scene it's like a super group of soundgarden and pearl jam where they came together just for one album chris cornell of soundgarden who does most of the vocals and then they're uh eddie vetter who you know everyone knows who eddie vetter is mm-hmm. at this point but he was new on the scene pearl jam just announced them as his, their new uh singer and this was i uh, guess a tribute to their old singer who was chris Cornell's roommate andrew wood was the guy that it was a tribute to uh mother love bone was oh the, right you know so i'd never put that all together yeah, so that's the, those guys that were then Mother Love Bone became Pearl Jam. They were all closely from that Seattle scene. And so that's a tribute to Andrew Wood, which now really kind of stands as a double tribute now with uh, Chris Cornell gone. So it has kind of even more of a, a poignant impact. But yeah. I think this is just amazing. Every song is just, it's it's... I don't know how to describe it. I, I don't never had quite the genre for it, but I think every single song brings something different to the table. Okay. Without pigeonholing it then, where were you at when you first heard this album? What period of life? What were you up to? Where does it sit in your story? Uh, let's see. I think it was in, I had to be high school years. Maybe, I don't know, I want to say like 10 years ago or, or so. I don't know, I guess it was going through one of those teenage phases. If it was only 10 uh, years just, ago, then you'll seem to old stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was in, in getting into uh, more 90s music that's gone, and this was like, I don't know, 2010. This was already old by the time I was listening to it, but I 
I was starting to get more into music and movies and realizing I liked them more. Maybe some people, they just listen to music just to pass the time or whatever. But for me, it started to resonate with me and it started to mean more to me. I felt it on a deeper level. And I felt the grunge movement that I I just started to discover that whole thing. And that was like, I really like expanded my whole universe. And this was like blowing my mind because I, I always knew Pearl Jam, but I wasn't that overly familiar with them. And then I discovered this band called Soundgarden and they had this incredible singer and this weird combination that's like the Beatles and Sabbath came together. And then to find out that there's this super group of, of both bands was just mind boggling to me. <laughs> Tim and I are going to have a good laugh over that because we were nineties kids. We we grew up with yeah yeah, yeah we course. were there we were there at the time. Although you know stranded on an island on the other side of the world. Um, yeah, but but like I mean, it, it was global. Was, yeah, I was going to say that was a whole kind of movement. We had not a lot of TV channels in Australia at the time. This is going back to the nineties. Yeah, right? yeah. What are we saying? Like early nineties. Uh, yeah, pretty early nineties. How things have come so so far since then. When you, oh, I, I can remember know. seeing "Smells Like Teen Spirit" on the. We have a weekend. It's still running. We have a weekend TV show called Rage, which just plays music videos. Oh, do, right, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can remember seeing "Smells Like Teen Spirit" one morning because it was on from like just before midnight and all through the early morning. So as kids, we'd set our VCRs, we'd make sure we had like a three-hour tape in there, but then you'd have a a long-playing VCR. So you would set that to record six hours of Rage, and hopefully that would get the cool guest programmer who would be on first. Like So at the midnight session, they would have a guest programmer, and sometimes it might be. It would be whoever was touring the country at the time for the most part. And so (laughs) I can remember seeing Smells Like Teen Spirit for the first time and having that discussion Wow, have you seen this band Nirvana? Actually, I think I called them. <laughs> I said, "Have you seen this band Nivea?" And I got laughed at because I I just hadn't read it. I've got dyslexia. <laughs> like, have you guys seen this band Nivea? And they just laughed Nivea. at me. Yeah, and the other guys just laughed at me. They're like Nirvana. I'm like, yeah, yeah, those guys. <laughs> yeah, those guys. They're really yeah. cool. They're really cool. So for you guys to you to discover that, I mean, that blows my mind. Like, because for us, discovering later. old music was like everyone sort of had a Doors phase. Or a Zeppelin phase? Yeah, I think, I think uh, I don't know if it's as much as it, is, it was, but I, I knew of, you know, when I was in high school, 10 to 15 years ago, uh, there was a group of people who had that. Like, I knew I had a good friend who was deep into Zeppelin. And I, he still, still pretty is, much is, to be honest, 10 <laughs> years later. But I think that music, there's something about it that speaks to teenagers trying to figure themselves out. Yeah, the Doors and Zeppelin and then the grunge. The strange thing that I've heard is that as teenagers, they were into that whole kind of grunge thing and, and the Zeppelin and stuff. And now they like country. <laughs> Maybe that uh, well, you don't have to <laughs> make sense of that one. I don't know. You're trying to figure yourself out with grunge, and grunge sort of gets you in touch with your feelings, and then country just talking about stuff you don't have. 
Lost my dog, <laughs> lost my wife. Country, 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 country. On my lawnmower. Yeah, yeah, country feels like middle-aged regret. Yeah, well, it's a bit early for that still. <laughs> People that are only just hitting 30, but hey. Yes. Yeah. I suppose it's never too early to start feeling like an old man. Yeah, yeah, I think. By 30, I had plenty of aches and pains. Uh, still got them. <laughs> just, just working through them now. <laughs> That's the thing. You know, you're indestructible for a while and you you keep doing things and then eventually they catch up with you probably around 30. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then you start listening to country music because <laughs> yeah, you're drinking you beer and sitting on the lawnmower. Sitting in the lawnmower with a bucket hat on. All right, so Temple of Dog, self-titled album. There's only one. Should be easy to find. I guarantee I've heard some of it, but not beginning to end. So that'll be good. Thanks, Brandon. You want to plug something? Sure. You can check out my podcast, Space Cloud. The E is silent. That's S-P-A-C-E-C-L-O-U-D-E. And it is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And also, I'm coming out with a new series where we review, Tom will be on it, we're reviewing the first and last episodes of 30 of the best TV shows of the past 20 years, according to this list I found on the internet. So look forward to that. You don't have a name for that podcast yet? Uh, Uncancelled. 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 Anybody following me somewhere else will be able to find that, because I will post about it. As soon as it's out there, it which will be soon. Awesome. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, thank you. Do you like albums? We like albums. This is Albums. Hello, welcome back to Albums Volume 2. Uh, <laughs> I'm Tom. This is Tim. I'm Tim. How you going, guys? <laughs> the second instalment. The second season. We made the best mixtape, and uh, now we're trying to back it up with something even cooler for our girlfriends. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, something to power along to on their walks and all that kind of stuff. Really, we're just putting our favourite stuff on there and hoping that they like it. Absolutely. Yeah. Ah, Temple of the Dog, 1991 release, Temple of the Dog. Yeah. Bit of a bit of a super group, bit of a collaboration. Such a big story to this one. Yeah, yeah. You want it? I'll let you go, Tim, because I know you've done some research. No, that's cool. It's um. Oh well, it's it's great. It's a combination of uh, two of my favourite bands of all time. One was on the up. The other one was just about to be formed. Obviously, it's, uh, the major players, Chris Cornell and uh, Matt Cameron from Soundgarden. They had uh, just released Loud Love, I think it is their album. So they were getting a bit of notoriety around the place, and they're obviously really well known in the scene. But Chris Cornell's roommate. Andrew Wood, he was in a band that was on the up as well called Mother Love Bone that also had a couple of famous players in it in the form of Jeff Emmett and uh, Stone Gossard, who were not yet Pearl Jam. So unfortunately, Andrew Wood passed away, and this album is a tribute or an homage, or it started as that, as a couple of songs penned by Chris Cornell. You know, just something that he never thought would be a Soundgarden song, but something that he thought Andrew would like. So he uh, enlisted the help of various people, and so forth comes this album here, which is fantastic. Uh, Mike McCready also joined in on this one, and then that was to go on to form uh, Pearl Jam as well after this album, which was an interesting, interesting organic sort of meeting of the minds just to create this bit of a fantastical tribute to the life and times of this Andrew Wood, which was a, yeah. Now, if, if we got to mention the, the one unknown 
well, at the time. Yeah, uh, young Eddie Vedder. Young Eddie Vedder just happened to be in the hood. Oh, the story goes he turned up to audition for what was going to be Pearl Jam, but I think they were called Mookie Baylock for about three minutes. Yep. <laughs> uh, Eddie had flown in to Seattle to audition for Mookie Baylock, which ended up becoming Pearl Jam. He was sitting there in the rehearsal space. I don't know if he was waiting to turn up to to do an audition or maybe do a bit of a rehearsal, or however yeah. that was. And and this Temple of a Dog album is being produced and needed a few and, few backups, maybe. Yeah, and and he just sort of slotted in apparently very kindly slotted in on one particular track. Chris was having trouble getting the low notes on. Yeah, Eddie's all about that low note. You, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and a friendship was formed. Yep. Interesting album. There is a lot to unpack around the story of it. Uh, we'll get to that. Absolutely. That's all it's all important stuff. But just first blush as an album. Had you heard the, this whole thing before? No. No, I'd which never is, which is remarkable. Which is stupid. Yeah, absolutely. Considering our age and this absolutely. right in the pocket. Yeah, completely, and like you know, considering the the amount of love that I have for both bands and 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 the time and music of that era, you know, it was just such an amazing uh, melting pot of styles and influences, and where things developed in the music scenes, particularly the Seattle music scene. This was such a catalyst, and it's just so stupid that I've never actually, I've obviously. They've got their single, which yep. uh, everyone's heard, and you know, even if you don't know, you've heard it. You've heard it. You've heard it. Yeah, a hundred percent. Especially if you're about forty now. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing. I've never unpacked it before, and uh, it was a joy to be able to do it this time. So, interestingly enough, it didn't chart as high here as it did in the US. We don't have as big of a radio culture in Australia. No, we just don't have the population, and we don't have all the little local. Radio stations, we sort of have one national youth thing. There might be some local stuff, but they're sort of syndicated and it's sort of like there'll be like three radio stations. Yeah. When we were growing up, like one, yeah, two. Barry Bissell's Top 40 Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so there just wasn't as much room on our bandwidth for every grunge band or every – like Australians tend to get pretty niche in their tastes – and, and when they do, they have to go out and find things themselves. That's why we're huge pirates. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if America does it, if, if it, for some reason it gets delayed release over here. We'll find a way. We'll find a way. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think this album charted at number four in the US after a, after a bit of a re-release. Yeah. And here I think it made... Like the single, the lead single off it only made it to fifty one. Yeah, it was it was a top five single in the US. Absolutely. So I think that's the difference. We like for the size of our market, we were saturated with so many other good albums in nineteen ninety one, which was a stupid year for releases. Oh my god! Yeah. And interestingly enough, there was a chance that this album could just get lost to time. Yeah. That Seattle music scene and that explosion that happened happened in like the space of three years. Yeah. Or less, two years, really, 19, maybe 89, but I want to say 90, 91, 92. Absolutely. That's the, about it. The amount of albums that came out at that time is just is astronomical. And and music that you hadn't heard before, there was just is completely unique. The musicianship, the songwriting, everything that was just coming out around that time, there was just this bloody melting pot of Euphoric ideas. It's unbelievable. Absolutely fun. crazy. Just as an example, I did look up a bit of a list. 1991 albums, and this is just going to be – some of these are just for me and Tim. This will be like my favourite albums of all it, time. It, well, let's start at the well-known ones. 
Teen Spirit came out in 1991 at the end. Soundgarden's Bad Motorfinger came out that year. Yep. And 10. 10 Pearl Jam 10. Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 came out that oh, year. Oh, yeah, those little albums. Those yeah. little albums, yeah. yeah. The Black Album came out in 91. Uh, uh, the Black Album came out in 91. Not a, not a bad number, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Less well-known ones, but ones that you and I will know. Infectious Grooves, The Plague That Makes Your Booty oh, Move. Hell yeah. That came out that year. Anthrax, Attacker the Killer Bees came out that year. Yep. Cycle Sluts from Hell. Self-titled Cycle Sluts from Hell. There you go. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen the video to I Wish You Were a Beer, please, <laughs> please watch the video to I Wish You Were a Beer. Uh, Alice Cooper's Hey Stupid. Yep. It was a huge video over yep. here. I don't know why. Uh, Mr. Bungle's self-titled album. Oh, God. Primus, Sailing the Seas of Cheese. Yep. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood, Sex, Sugar, Magic came out that year. Yep. Did I say that right? No. Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> Blood sugar sex magic. <laughs> Did I get it right then? Yeah, you got it that time. Oh, yeah. Blood magic sex sugar. Yeah, and Screaming Jets all for one. Yep. Rat Cats album. Yep. Which, if you listen to that side by side to Nevermind, the sound is very, very similar. If you listen to their first releases side by side, especially, what was that song? I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that first yeah. thing. Oh, that ain't bad. Yeah, that ain't bad. Yeah. You put that ain't bad next to Nirvana, and if you had given them the same producers, <laughs> really, really, like really, really similar sound. Wow. And opposite sides of the planet. Yeah. And came up with it independently. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Also, oh, you two's Acton Baby came out that year. Yeah. Um, there's a little Michael Jackson album. Dangerous came out. Sepultura Arise. Oh, in Brazil, they just. Redefined thrash metal yep. just for the hell of it. Yep. It was a interesting year. What a hell of a like just every style of. I've music still got all those get, CDs in my hundred percent, yep. and I still listen to them. Yep, you know, and there's just so much to draw on. Like you can just take your pick of the best of any genre in that in that time. Oh man. yeah, that's a short list. Like Absolutely. I couldn't sit here and read the whole thing nah, God, because no. there was. I mean, there was some. There were some other amazing albums. Yeah. Uh, well, certainly legendary albums that came out that year. Yeah. Back to this album. Yes. So, Cornell's away touring with Soundgarden. Bad mm. Motorfinger hasn't come out yet, I don't think. No. His friend and roommate has died of a drug overdose. Yep. So, Cornell writes two songs. The first two songs on this album. Yep. Which are Say Hello to Heaven and Reach Down. At the time, someone who knew said that Cornell was... Really angry, really quite angry and hurt yeah. that his friend and roommate had died of a drug overdose. He was like, you know, he was, he was angry that he'd done that. Sure. And wrote these two songs and then got a hold of Stone and Jeff and said, hey, I've got these two songs, you want to record it? And then I think it just sort of rolled from there. And I don't know if they've actually said these words, but reading into all the interviews and stuff that I looked at, it just became a jam, a good place to be, to process all those feelings, all friends of Andrew's, all doing their thing. Yeah. The first two songs definitely about Andrew. The rest of them were stuff from Mother Love Bone and stuff Chris had written that wasn't really for Soundgarden. 100%, yeah. Yeah, like if you listen – when you listen to Reach Down, mm. there is a lot of hurt, a lot of sadness, and a, more than a little bit of anger in that song. There is, um, there is some of the most unbridled and just – Soul wrenching, raw emotion, raw emotion getting poured out onto tape by Chris on this. I tried to watch some live stuff. Yeah, and he's good. Mm. He's if you've forgotten how good Chris Cornell is on vocals, you could go back and listen to this one if you haven't already. Because holy, do I thought he had employed a gospel choir mm. to join them. It, it's not. It's no. just him doing backing vocals in his 
his friends and Eddie Vedder in there yep. doing backing vocals. Like it's such a rich, full, raw, but incredible tone. Yeah. Reach Down's got quite a large jammy section in it. Mm. And I don't think I've ever heard a bass played that sad. I don't know how he did it. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a little tweaked in the tuning or technically I don't know how it's done, but the sound at the end is quite remarkable. When we say that this album sort of ended up being quite jam session, Mm. like they really let fly. Yeah, I mean mean, some of Mike McCready's guitar solos in this album is just – it's interesting because like you're hearing all of this before 10, right, and 10 came out and and Mike and Stone's work on that, particularly Mike, is – Solo on Alive is just so poignant. You know, it's it's just perfect. It's just one of those solos, you know. You can see where he's coming from and where he started, like really sort of reaching in and, and, and playing to the power of the song and and really getting that ebb and flow and just absolutely wailing on some of these tunes was just unbelievable. This album could could have been probably more along those lines if it had had more of a guiding hand, more sure. of a more of been more produced. Yeah, it is beautifully produced. Oh, like it sounds like it was recorded yesterday. What a what a spacious album! Like yeah. you, you look at Loud Love, the Soundgarden album before that, and it was like all these big, huge '80s drums with gated reverb on it. Like really, um, really an aged kind of album. Whereas yeah. this one, it's got that sound of ten, but it's different and darker. It's a lot. And it's a lot looser. You can you can hear yeah yeah yeah. And it's, it's, it's just like nobody said, oh, that solo's five bars too long. Let's cut that." Yeah, it's a, all on there. Yeah, I mean, there's six seven minute songs on this album. And yeah, yeah. Half of that's guitar solo, but you know, I love the sound of this album because it was to sort of set up the way people were getting out of the eighties with this hyper produced. You know, it, it was really really raw, but really well captured. They were going to do ten and bad Motorfinger. Mm. If they were experimenting with any sounds, like this is this is what they were sort yeah. of really. I think it really helped. Hundred yeah. percent, it really helped. And I think Kim from Soundgarden, Kim Tal, yeah, he had some negative and positive things to say about this. Mm. In fact, Andrew's brother, guitarist as well, he was sort of like there were people who were disappointed that they weren't invited to come and play on this. Yeah, I think Kim said at the time that he thought that. You know, Chris was going to go and do these two songs, but then it became sort of a Chris Cornell solo album. Yeah. And and that sort of took the shine off it for a lot of people. So a lot of people had different problems and stuff. With hindsight and a deep listen, I feel like, and this is just my idea, this might have been the thing he just had to do, mm. just had to get it out there. And the fact that it was moderately or, or, or really very successful is just a cherry on top. And mm. for some people it might have been a bit bitter to swallow because they all had these other things that are striving to, you know, bad motor finger and, yep. and, and tens coming out. But in the end, I think everyone resigned themselves to like, it just pushed those bands forward. Absolutely. Like it, it only just helped. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to separate that story out once you know it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is. I mean, it's, it's the, yeah, it's the entire reason for, why this all came together? It started off as a as a not a not an homage, but you know it was just Chris's feelings about his mate and this situation, and you know he employed his friends to you know to get it out there and to to give it the vehicle that it needed to do, and um yeah I think mean, the result is is something unique and special and yeah 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 quite incredible that they actually had the space to get together because all. They were all touring at different times. They hardly ever saw each other for the preceding year. Yeah, well, they never got yeah. to tour it 
You know. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. They never mm. got to tour this. No, mm. there were shows played oh. in the two thousand twenty fifth anniversary of yeah. this album coming out. They got together and did a small tour, but but that kind of adds to the specialness of the work as well. Like it's just this little. Little, not a time capsule, but this just little snapshot of a, oh, a time I think, and a place. I think, I think it is time and place and a feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really hard to unpack for. That. So we will be talking sort of both in that the way that this is a story, and then also just about the album, just mm. about you know we have to make decisions <laughs> as are the rules of this podcast. Indeed. So straight up, let's start with track number one. Say hello to heaven. Say hello to heaven. So I don't know if this is the first song that he actually wrote when he was penning this sort of thing together. Yeah, when you read the lyrics, maybe you think it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of thinking that too. Mm. It's quite uplifting, I think, in a way. <laughs> what did they say? Oh, it's uh, Chris Cornell's highest ever recorded note that he hits when he's given it hell for leather at the end there. Tell you what, my God! Uh, the the one thing about this track that stands out is that vocal. There isn't another vocal on this album that is that. Did you have a listen to the isolated take of that? No. Oh no. my God! Have a listen. Oh. It's just the drum track and Chris. Yeah. Every breath, which you hear anyway. But yeah. like, my God, to be in the room with Chris Cornell when he's laying down a track. Yeah. My God, and he. How old was he? Like twenties. Twenties. Yeah. That. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like he's he's always been. One of my favourite singers of all time. Like, his range is unbelievable. I do remember seeing him live uh, once when he was doing his solo work. I was a little bit disappointed because he wasn't quite nailing it, but, like, I've seen so many other performances. could have just been the tail end of a tour and a bit tired and all that kind of stuff. But Australia like, is a hard gig for a lot. Like, if you're only is. doing one or two shows over here, it's a long way to come. hundred percent. Like you sort of yeah. get that from a lot of musicians, I, yeah. I feel, ones that I've seen anyway. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, like, his, his take on this, pretty much the whole album, but this one's really... Quite special, very very pained human. Yeah, it is. A, I think that this this song is a little bit more upbeat, like you said, than the next one. Yeah, but wow, uh, like so, this album is essentially a blues grunge album, hundred percent. And this song in particular, it sounds like a, a. It sets it up for the rest of it. Like you, you forgive a lot of the extra noodling around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the extra solos and stuff. Yeah. Because this song sets it up so well. It is. It's this, it's this beautiful, moody sort of, yeah, blues, not quite a ballad, like, because it really starts to take off, but it is that sort of laid back kind of, not Stevie Ray Vaughan kind of style, but, you know, it's just builds on that and it's almost a gospel-y kind of song in a way. And It's not almost. It totally is. Yeah. Got a, got a huge gospel yeah. sound. And then it just builds and builds and yeah, no, yeah. If you if you're not in your feels by the end of that song, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's and it's funny too because it's like when you were talking going back to a bit of production, might have seen this album going a bit of a different direction. It's not really what you'd classify as a first song on an album. I sort of feel like I, I sort of feel like it's a it's that middle of an album kind of song. But when it starts to take legs, you just go, yeah, wow, yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah. you and you get it. You get the idea of this band. From the first song. For sure. Okay, second song, which is Reach Down. Yeah. That's even more gospel-y in places. Quite so, yeah. And the lyrics are a little accusatory. Mm. It's like, hey, man, I've got this big empty room. Yeah, what the hell? I've got no room, mate. And the landlord's saying, hey, still need my rent, man. Yeah. 
there's a lot of pain, a lot of sort of being left behind. Mm. I'm not 100% sure what he's saying when he says he has to reach down and pick the crown up. I don't know if he sort of felt responsible to look after a whole heap of stuff. I think as Andrew was, I haven't seen a lot of his work and know a lot about him. I should have probably delved a little bit deeper into his life, but he was very much seen to be quite the prominent figure. He was quite the rock star. In the scene. Yeah, he was was coming up as being the guy. And I guess it's sort of like after this disaster, someone's got to carry the torch. Maybe it sort of harkens to that. Well, I've got to pick up the pieces and keep this... Seeing these ideas, this going. yeah, that's what I sort of got out of that song. Yeah, and fair enough if you didn't want to do it alone. Yeah, yeah. not when your partner in crimes no. bowed out on you. That's. Yeah, it's hard to take. Um, so young too. Look, Metallica's got the same story. They do. The they whole do. 27 Club. Come on. like Yeah. yeah. It's, music industry is not for young people, but nah. it is. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> I wonder if, at the time, the music industry was run by the survivors who were just punishing the, <laughs> the new people. <laughs> like, it's hard now to make a living. Yeah. It would have been hard being the people making the living in it. Then oh yes, they had excess and cars and money and all that stuff. Yeah. Which is rarer these days. But they're only kids. Yeah. They're only kids. Really. And yeah. I say that as a wizened old forty year old. All these bands, when they were creating this amazing music, they were still living in each other's houses and sleeping on the floors and, and Well, there's no and, point. Too young to be married yeah. and have kids and stuff yeah. and touring most of the time. Absolutely. So, it, you know, five You of them just in need a, a place band, to you know. store your stuff. 100%, yeah. 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 Track number 3, Hunger Strike. I fell in love with this. I saw it late at night. I didn't even know it existed. I didn't know this band existed. I didn't know anything about it. And I was like, "Oh, man, that's awesome. Like uh, Pearl Jam and Soundgarden got together and done a collab. Ah, oh, that's so cool." So, when did you see that? Not at the time. No, nah, it would have been after I got cuz I got into Pearl Jam heavy. Yeah, so and, Late Night Rage, and, like yeah, yeah, some late years rage. afterwards. Yeah, and she just popped up on there. It was who they were at that time. It looked like them at that time, and I was just going, oh, cool, they've just done this little sort of collab to it, and I didn't know any of the history behind it. And I think I actually I looked them up then and had listened to the album or just had a brief scan through it and I just, oh, Eddie Vedder's not on every song. Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> He's on more than you think. He is. Yeah, you know, he totally is. And, and you, you touched on it before, what – Eddie's inclusion in this song brought those parts that Chris wanted but couldn't necessarily pull He was just himself. struggling with on, he on was, the date. He sings the first verse. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, hang on, is that Eddie or Chris? Like, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to work it out. Wouldn't have necessarily had to have had Eddie on there. It's, it's very nice that he's in, on there, you know, and there's a larger story behind that. But in my opinion, I don't know if it would have mattered. I don't know. I think the. I don't the know if there's that much difference. I, well, there isn't like sonically too much. I mean, obviously, when Eddie comes in with his timber, you oh, know, yeah, you can't that. deny it. But then there's that call and answer, call and response thing between him. I'm going. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, if you had one person singing that, it would sound dumb. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just interesting again, sort of, uh, that was my first introduction to that sound and especially that riff where I was like, down, 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 wow, like really dark and brooding and, and just this huge, huge, spacious sound. Sound was, it was so powerful and, and so direct and different, you know. It's the grungiest song on the album. Grungy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mean to use the term, but it, it is a no, it, I mean, grungy sound. If you want to pick classic grunge songs, this is a classic grunge song. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the album is I reckon far looser and bluesier. Yeah, for sure. This song was written as a filler. Yep. Because when they came, they had a handful of songs. Two songs Chris had written, a handful of other ones, and they needed, a, they did need a few more. Yep. And yeah, as far as I can tell, nobody thought much about it, mm. but it ended up becoming the single. The album got released. Nevermind came out. Teen Spirit was on MTV. Yep. MTV people, well, one person, had heard the Temple of Dog album, spoke to the record company, said, we, we, need, we want to push this one. We need a vid, yeah. And we need it, but we need a vid. They re-released this as the single months after the album. Had, it was after 10 came out as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Months and months after and shot what admittedly is a very quickly shot video. Yeah. It's not great. It's them on a beach. It's them on a beach and mm. in some broken school somewhere yep. under a bench. Yep. Pretty grungy sort of video. Yep. Cool. They all look like 90s grunge people. They do. They do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eddie's got the, the long johns under the cut-off shorts uh, and yep. a leather jacket on hanging out down the beach and mm. laughing. And there's a couple of moments actually where they're not playing for the camera. They're just down the beach laughing. It's mm. very short in the video, but that looks the most genuine. Yeah. People having fun. Yeah, for sure. Which is good. It's a pretty cool song. Mm. It instantly hit with me, not just because of the players that were in it. It's a, it's quite a simple song. The first verse is the same as the second verse, but it's just the way that it's done. It's a, done. Yeah, it's a cool jam. Yeah. It's a it's a good jam that you write one verse and, oh, well, let's jam it, see where it goes. And it mm. goes, it's got a good structure. It's, it's one of the shortest songs on the album. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is probably well, the other reason why I got, got <laughs> chose as a single. <laughs> yeah. Quite an, it's an iconic guitar. Um, Riff. Riff. Yep. Riff. Great song. Yeah. It doesn't fail to stir emotions. No. Even though it's simple and – like, where were you at 20? Were you this politically minded? Man, they're good at writing lyrics. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I was Captain Oblivious to most stuff when I was 20. Yeah. Yeah. Could you string a sentence together that well? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. These guys just write poetry. Look, it's not all Shakespeare, but some of it, the lyrics are – Good oh, man, like let's look at Lane Stanley, look at bloody Scott Wyland. These people are bloody warrior poets. What they brought vocally, be it subject, be it the way they sang, some of the greatest lyrics have come out of the nineties. Just out of these out of these four bands in particular, you know, in between mm. Pearl Jam, Soundgun, Stone Temple, Pilots, Alice in Chains, Nirvana. Just those four. Like, Nirvana. Yeah. Just poetry, just unlike anything else. And, was, and, and well, it was, sort of like the doors. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Absolutely. But I think it was it was definitely a voice for a generation as well. There were a lot of pissed off people. There were a lot of hurt people. And these guys uh, were definitely a voice for people. I think that's why so many people related to them so well. There's two versions of the video. And the second one is just unused bits that they shot from the first one. Yep. And then some slightly better quality footage. Probably around the same school that they shot the first one in, but it's now derelict and broken down. Oh, yeah. So they're interesting to watch together. Yep. But. Yeah, take your pick. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> the videos aren't – it's much better to find some of the live stuff. Like if you want to see videos of it, the live stuff recorded in 2017, you'll get more listening from this album than watching the Hunger Strike video. Yeah. 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 Pushing forward back. Pushing forward back. 
there, again, well, okay, so we're just talking about how good their lyrics were. Yeah. I don't know what pushing forward back is. No. No. Chris knows. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's probably um one of the more Soundgarden-y sound yeah. songs of yeah. the album, I thought. Yeah, um, for sure. It's, it's definitely got that sort of, it's got that odd time structure to it and it's got that kind of a, uh, attack and delivery that he was really starting to get into. Yeah, it was just probably the thing that sort of struck the most on us was, it, yeah, the most sound gardening. Most sound gardening. Mm. Now, call me a dog. I like it. I don't like calling people dogs. No. I, I, <laughs> but, and it's it's one of those ones where it could be really hokey lyrics, but they work good mm. in, in the delivery. You tell me I'm low Cause I've slept on the floor And out in the woods With the badgers in the world Yeah? Yeah, yep. I quite like Call Me A Dog. Times of Trouble. Times of Trouble sounds a little bit sort of Alice in Chainsy to me. Yeah, right. You know, it, yeah, yeah. Kind of has that that bit of a flavour to it, or it's got that darkness to the riff, and I don't know. Just it's a real melting pot. You'd have to ask the individuals how much this album influenced them, or is just what was around at the time yeah. and soon to be soon to be yeah. and these guys had seen all the bands that hadn't recorded something yet yeah, or yeah. like you don't really know well these guys are all bloody hanging out and seeing each other's shows and you know going on tour together going and on tour together and yeah living in each other's pockets it yeah. was a seattle scene absolutely it was like one town yeah yeah well, city but a scene like that had to be small enough where everybody sort of knew everybody absolutely at least yeah, yeah. like what was the metallica scene san francisco san francisco bay, bay, bay area the bay, yeah. bay area bashes i mean like so many bands came out of that yeah and they all knew each other yeah they all like slayer metallica uh, slayer metallica megadeth yeah, megadeth were over on the east coast yeah yeah but they knew each other anyway yeah yeah, yeah. Like, we're all together so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know if it happens like that anymore if it could happen like that anymore certainly not at the moment but even Two years ago, mm. was there a scene developing anywhere? Not like it used to. Not like that. You know, I think um, a lot more focus has been on uh, bedroom content and being able to release your stuff from the you know safety of your own home. Whereas back in the day, like the only time you got to see or hear this music, you was had to go, go to see and yeah. hear this music. You, you had know? to go out. Absolutely, you and had that, to brave the world. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the alcohol and the beer and the bounces and the mosh pits and yeah. the Bad nights and early mornings, and you just had to. Had you to had to do it. Had to endure. You had to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, but nowadays, you know, people just go. Oh, I'd love to see him in concert. YouTube. You know. Yeah, kids. It doesn't quite match up. No, no. It, it may be an awesome movie created by Beyonce. <laughs> uh, it's not going to be the same as being there live. No way. Wooden Jesus. Wooden Jesus drum intro sounds like. Yeah, it sounds like a helmet intro. Yeah, right. Yeah, drum intro. 
And then this is the one song that I'm probably most disappointed in the lyrics. Yeah. With I know what he's trying to say. The imagery. Like Chris has always had been quite there's been a lot of religious imagery in his stuff. Mm-hmm. Not my bag. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's my that, that would be the one thing that probably turns me off about oh, but then again, Jesus Christ pose is possibly one of, one of the favorites. best songs ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what I'm talking about. Nah. Like you know, it was a big day out. First big day I'd ever been to, I was 14. Yeah. I went with my friend uh, Nick and he – we both did a lot of moshing that day. We discovered crowd surfing. It was good then. And you if guys, you fell down, yeah. there were 10 hands to pick you up. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was big. Melbourne crowds is like 26,000 people. That was big at the time. Soundgarden headlined. Nick ended up on top of the crowd in the Jesus Christ pose – for the entirety of the song. Fantastic. Like, it was pretty wild. Yeah, that would have thrown him around all over the place too. We both ended up on in a newspaper ad as well. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> For Channel V, which was new at the time. Ah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, that was good. And I saw New Zealand group Supergroove. Oh, I'm so jealous, man. And I weighed, I weighed at the time, I was a skinny 14-year-old, so yeah. I weighed nothing. And I got thrown up on top of the crowd and tucked myself into a ball and got rolled around for half a song. <laughs> it would never happen now. You just couldn't do it. I don't know if anybody would think it was funny now, but I thought it was it was a blast at the time. It's really cool. Now it's all wall of death and people punching a lot, moshing. Is that what it is? Is there is there friendly moshing anymore? I don't know. I'm too old to get in there. Yeah, no, I hurt me neck, you know. It's um... I got kicked in the head at a Slayer concert. Yeah. And the, the, and I thought I'm too old for this. Yeah, and I was mid thirties. I think that was the last time I, I sort of yeah I got I got semi KO'd. Uh, I can't remember who I was watching. I think it was Offspring at the time. And I got this dude's size thirteen desert boot in the back of the head, and I just kind of went, "Yeah, no, nah, this is this is a young person's game." I don't know. You still get it at metal concerts, like you you'll still get you know they've got the Wall of Death and all that kind of stuff, and people just but it's trying friendly to hurt each other. But it's they they do pick you up, but at the same time, I'd just rather not go down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if you're at a place that is a scene, and you're there, and everyone's there for the one reason, yeah, you might have a better time than festivals. What festivals ended up being, which was a cool place to be, regardless yep. of what the bands were. Absolutely, yeah, it's a shame. But you know, uh, big day out around course. That's a good podcast. Have you if you've ever listened to? No, nah, no, nah, I haven't that, yet. The I've story of the Big Day it, Out, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. If you don't know, the Big Day Out was a huge touring concert series that happened every summer in Australia for a lot of years. Yep. Uh, the bands all called it the Big Weekend Off. Yep. Because they had played one show each weekend in a capital city and then just spent the week touring around Australia. Absolutely. In between, and everything was sort of laid on for them. Damn shame it's gone. <sighs> the youth of today don't deserve it. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Your saviour. Yeah. Yeah, again it sort of it does. It gets a little bit fillery at the end. It does, yeah. Yeah, I I, I will admit it's uh, probably not one of my favorite songs of the album either. It just kind of really yeah, it does. It just feels like a filler. It starts out like okay, so the, here's a valid Criticism of the album. It starts out all killer and fades off a little bit towards yeah. filler yeah. at the end. But with this song, like it's got a sick riff to it. It starts off really There strong. are bits that you should love in every song. 100%, yeah. I just kind of feel like with the vocal and the, the delivery of it, it was just kind of 
it lost what it gained. You know. It, oh, okay. Yeah, I just I don't yeah. know. It just it seemed like quite a disjointed kind of song. Groovy, groovy riff. Holy dooly, there are some good riffs in here. This would be the, another criticism of the album. There, because it's such a jam. Mm. There are moments that are just like, oh my god, that's that's so good, yeah. and then it disappears. Yeah, they go off and They're jam just, somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I, like the best bits of this album aren't the main bits of the songs. Absolutely, yeah. Or if they are, they jam some blues over the top. Yeah, yeah. Like it's nearly a grunge classic, and then Jimi Hendrix comes in and plays guitar over the yeah, top. Yeah, I, I think it like, just it just stops it. It just detaches the listener a little bit from. How good this album could have been again if they had a producer coming in. Yeah, just, this was hands off by the record company, by yeah. any execs or anything. They were just in there recording it. The fact that it's as good as it is, uh, yeah, and is, as it should have been as well. You know, like it was, it was definitely their their message and their story to tell in their own way. And you know, for that you can't fault it. But yeah, there are definitely points in well, you know most of the songs where you kind of go, man, that's so mint, and then it just it just and doesn't. They talk through. about being a wooden Jesus from Taiwan. <laughs> so that drum intro is so good. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, let's move on. Uh, for world world, I really like this song. It's it's so moody. There's so much imagery to it. Just in the sound of it, it's just such a stonker. Um, um, Jeff's fretless bass in this track is just. So, uh, you know, it just sets the tone for this song so much. And is that what it is about that bass? It's fretless. Yeah, that real, yeah. Is that what it is about that about, song? That song, yeah. About reach down at the end there that sort of just he can play it sad because it's fretless. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's upset it doesn't have frets. But, like, <laughs> it's um this song in particular, and, and, and it sort of it set itself up for a, a, a couple of Pearl Jam songs that sort of have that very similar sort of sound to it as well. All based around Jeff's bass. It's this grungy kind of loose, wowy kind of sound, but it just it adds such a dark tonality to the song. Yeah, yeah, you think of Jeremy. Yeah, or, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So many, so many songs like that. But yeah, it's, this one's I, I love it. It's obviously talking about some some moody stuff, being confined by incarceration and and all that kind of stuff. But I just really like the sound of this song. You think about it now, and you think, Jesus, how would how would these guys know anything about? Oh, wait, they're uh, in their teens and twenties in the early nineties. They probably spent a few nights in jail. <laughs> I dare say so. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They can at least from there imagine what that would be more like uh, like on, on a longer term uh, basis. Yeah. Is it just movies and TV? Did that happen in America quite a lot? You just get thrown in jail for the night. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Drunk tanks and all that kind of stuff and yeah. just general misdemeanors. Any opportunity they can have to chuck you in jail. They throw you, ever throw you in jail? Nah, I missed out on all that fun stuff. No. Nah, never mm. happened here either. Nah. Well, I think we've just got less police. I think so, yeah. We're a bit yeah. lazy over here. Uh. Mm. <laughs> We're always out in the bush. Yeah, that's right. Can't get, they've got to be in town and we're out in the bush. That's right. All night thing. Just a nice little wrap-up song. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I don't know about all night thing. I like I don't care for it. Yeah, it's just. 
I don't know. If it's an all night. Maybe I'm too old for that. I'm not having all night things. No, no. Well, no, every night is an all night thing. Yeah, it's great. That's right. Yeah. So, like, what are you talking about, man? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think maybe he liked the idea. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure where that song goes. It's just a, it's just just a musings. It's just a thing. It's musings on, on one night stands, and if it lasts any longer than, like, you're still here in the morning. Pretty much, yeah. 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 That's, it's not a whole way to read into that. No, not really. No, the, the the bulk of this album occurs in the first half. 100%, yeah. Like the bulk of the cool stuff. It's, it's like went in with the intention of recording two songs, came out with an album. Yep. That it's any good is incredible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it was done It was done quick too. I think they only took Two and a half like, weeks. I couldn't record a song in two and a half weeks. Ah, God, no. Yeah. But no. then, you know, we're, we're not. I'm not, I'm, not Chris, <laughs> I'm not Chris Cornell. <laughs> They do have a bit of a knack for the old songwriting. And they were in the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah. If you were ever a peak anything, it was when you were in your 20s. Absolutely. Although, you know, I, I hold out hope that one day I'll <laughs> peak at something else. <laughs> Absolutely. Sitting, sitting down and watching television. I haven't haven't peaked at that yet. No, no, no. There's still hope. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got we got a further to go down that road. There are yeah. so many video games I haven't tried. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so favourite song, Tim? I'm going to have to say the first song, Say Hello to Heaven. Right, okay. Just, I, I just can't get away from Chris's performance. I mean, like his performance on the whole album is amazing. I think I'm a little bit drawn to this one as well. Having listened to that isolated track was really quite amazing. And I, I, you can do that to any Chris Cornell song and you just go. Oh. As, a, as a little aside, where did you find the isolated track? Oh, it was just in the list of uh, videos. It was just oh, okay. A, just an audio, it was just a picture of his face and then it was just, yeah. Matt Cameron's drum track. These people just put everything up on YouTube these days. Who they do. you? I know. Huh. You dig deep enough, mate. But, yeah, I, I just think it's an amazing song. I think it travels. I think it really shows off all the members of the band and, and sets up what this album's going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It promises a lot. Yeah. And it's not that it's not delivered. In fact, it, the song just delivers itself. You'd almost not have the rest of the album. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you wouldn't have... You wouldn't have got my favourite song, which is Hunger Strike. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. I ha- It's not perfect. Mm. It's not a perfect song. But, man, of the time and what the rest of that grunge scene ended up being, it, it is just a great example of stripped back. Yeah. Teen, like it speaks to that teenager that still resides within. Oh, every time. I, I, I was trying to sing it out loud today. Yeah. So was like, whoa. Getting a bit choked up, like, well, it, it, yeah, and and still to this day, I mean, every every time I hear it, every time it comes on, it's just like it, it transports me back to you know being bloody thirteen years old, twelve years old, and just wigging out. You completely. can't forget the songs that you heard no. at thirteen. No, you can't. I don't know if the growth spurt sort of locks stuff in your brain, or well, that's <laughs> um, or you've just got so many emotions and hormones running around your body that everything feels stronger yeah. and so pathways get laid down deeper. But there are songs that I haven't heard for, I will kid you not, 20 years. If they came on now, I would be able to sing all every, the, every lyric and all the little bits. In, I couldn't tell you what they were now, yeah, but yeah. You ha- you'd have to put it on. Yeah. And all the little little bits in between. Yep. Yeah. And this is one of those songs. So it, it just objectively, maybe it's not the, the best song on the album, but it's certainly my favourite. Yeah. 
Okay, worst song. Oh, you know, like no, none of them are bad. None, none of them are bad, but yeah, like like we've there is some before, filler. There's some definite filler. Um, I, I thought your savior was yeah probably not the worst at all, and it does have that you know that amazing riff to it and that really spaciousness to it and that really grungy kind of sound to it, and it's a, it's amazing. But at the same time, it just doesn't really go anywhere or form or and every time you think it does it goes to a weird little kick around time change and then it goes back into this other section and it doesn't really make sense there's no cohesion to it you know feels more a, like an experiment than it, a, it kind of yeah. does yeah probably gave us some other great stuff down the track 100 yeah. percent. yeah fair enough yeah i mean i'm not gonna argue i think the last half of this album is quite fillery yeah all night thing i don't need care it's, it's about just, it's yeah. not not me i think it, at the time would I have cared about it? Probably not. I mean, I was really still pushing and very much into thrash metal at the time. If you picked up a magazine, like a, a heavy metal magazine in Australia, it had all the grunge guys in it. Yeah. They all had the long hair and it was, is the, this the new sound of metal? I liked fast guitars, so I wasn't across everything quite as much. Mm. All Night Thing would have annoyed me. Absolutely. Then it's not relevant for me now. Yeah. Yeah, so All Night Thing, not really... A bag, I'll leave it. I'd leave it. If you gave me a bag full of stuff, I'd probably flick it out. Yeah, it's it's like, it, it, oh, I don't want this in here. I'm going to have these donuts, but uh, not that one. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that doesn't, it doesn't really marry up with any of the other tracks on the album either. You know, it's just kind of its own little special blah. I don't know. Did Chris, like, is it a love song that somebody wrote to somebody when they were maybe a bit younger? I've always liked this song. I'll put it out. <laughs> like, I don't know what. <laughs> Yeah. If it's that, well, it might be. Maybe it was really of its time and of that scene, and and it's less accessible than the rest of the songs. I don't know the story behind of it, and I don't care. Don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to like give them yeah, give yeah. them credit where where maybe there isn't really any. That it's okay for there to be a sucky song on there, and I, that for me, it's that one. Absolutely. Okay. Is this album staying on your device of choice, Tim? Yeah, I'm going to hold on to this one. Yeah, it'll go right alongside pretty much all the other albums of this time, <laughs> which Just, is pretty much half of my uh, my listening catalogue. Uh, hey, hey, Siri, play me albums from 1991. Pretty much, yep. that'll keep you occupied. For yeah, that's a that's a good day. Yeah, that's a good day on shuffle. Absolutely. Oh uh, yeah, I'll I'll keep it. I'll keep it. I'll I'll skip the odd song. I'll listen to the drum intro, Wooden Jesus, and skip the press. <laughs> I won't listen to All Night Thing unless I can't be bothered turning it off. Remarkably, there are some long songs on this album. They're very jammy. Yeah. And so there's long guitar solos and long just bits, and they bring it back at the end. But there are long sections where there aren't any vocals and the song isn't progressing and it's just a big jam. Yeah. Stone said that this was the funnest album he's ever done. He yep. thinks it's the funnest album he's ever done. Yeah. And that may have been the process more than the actual result. Anyway, and I have to agree on that point because you put it on and you go around your day doing stuff Mm. and it's cool. Like, it's fine. You just leave it there. And some songs are really long, but and then the album's got 10 songs, but before you know it, you're at the end. It's like, oh, we started again. Yeah. It's like all these long songs, but... It's not a not an ordeal. It's only when you're really listening to it do you go, these songs are long. (laughs) But when you've just got it on... yeah. It's a cool jam. It's just a cool It is yeah. a cool jam. It would be a cool hang. To be a fly on the wall for this one would have been pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. Recording it. Absolutely. And they're all mates, you know. Yeah. yeah. Extremely talented, amazing mates, but yeah. Well, so that was a pretty serious one for our first one back, Tim. It was um, a bit. 
Cool, cool album though. Very good. And can't believe I hadn't heard the whole bloody thing. Anyway, if you like albums as much as we like albums and you want to get a phone call from me, you can email albumspod at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.